1: Injury is injury. So can we say at one level, all abuse brings damage. Lust is desire gone mad. Unfortunately, we think too quickly. Lust is sexual. Certainly includes, but is vastly beyond that. That's what the kingdom of evil wants. More than any one thing, it wants you to bear responsibility for the other person's violation of
2: you. And that is hideous. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage.
0: And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you.
2: I'm Adam King.
0: And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling, And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them.
2: So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about healing the wounded heart with Dr. Dan Allender.
0: And Dr. Allender is a renowned therapist, professor, author in the world of psychology because he does a fantastic job of integrating psychology and theology. He is the director of the Allender Center in Seattle and um, the Allender Center exists to help train therapists, pastors, leaders to be more effective and serve in the context of the 21st century. So he is incredible. We talk more in this episode about the particular books that have impacted our ministry Mm -hmm. and our career, um, but we have just gleaned so much from his work. You're in for a treat.
2: Yes, we've actually recommended a lot of his books to Mm -hmm. clients. Yes. So if you find yourself with a wounded heart, or you're someone who works a lot with people with wounded hearts, you are going to want to listen in.
0: So welcome, Dr. Allender, to the podcast. We're honored to have you on today. Welcome.
1: Adam Grisop, my delight and honor to be with you both.
0: We appreciate your work. Um, Your work has been, we're both very familiar with your work and I have been assigning this book in particular that we're discussing today for years to clients, um, Healing the Wounded Heart, um, The Heartache of Sexual Abuse and the Hope of Transformation. The impact of this work, especially the integration of theology and psychology um, has been far beyond words can describe. So we're so grateful.
2: So, of course, uh, we could have chose any number of your books to like pick as the topic, but we chose, um, healing the wounded heart to kind of center our questions around and, and talk about sexual abuse. And we have so many questions, but maybe just to kind of get us started, maybe talk a little bit about what what is your definition? So people can maybe see it in their own life, maybe of what sexual abuse is
1: such an important question because so many people will say well I was never sexually abused and they're operating on categories that might have a accuracy but indeed isn't full but let me start with this mm-hmm. when Jesus talks about sin he references two keywords lust and anger mm-hmm. and then he brings that into heightened shall we say intensification with the word adultery and murder. So I wanna begin in one sense with a definition of abuse that honors and actually brings out the reality of sin. Mm. So the reality of sin is where someone is eating you, absorbing you, lust Mm. is desire gone mad. Unfortunately, we think too quickly, lust is sexual, certainly includes, but is vastly beyond that. Mm. And anger, Uh, Jesus takes to the word murder, which means fundamentally, there is a violence against another for not filling me as I would wish. So when we talk about abuse, um, we can talk about sexual abuse, obviously, with a violation of primary, secondary sexual body parts, where there is physical touch. The dilemma is you can have visual sexual abuse, where a child, for example, uh, is taking a shower and uh, an uncle walks in. A- again, inadvertent moments like that occur often. Mm-hmm. but we know to quickly back out and to apologize yeah. and then it well, should never happen again. Right. But for the uncle who stands there ogling that young girl's body, that's it, it, there was no physical touch, mm-hmm. nonetheless that visual lust with a presence of a kind of authoritative, I will make you pay if you tell, violence uh, constitutes not just sin, but sexual abuse. (laughs) So we can even go further to say children who um, are in the presence of pornography, children who are in the presence of verbal conversations about sexuality. Uh, Again, we can't escape the reality that even on some of our national TV shows, there is far more wanton information than we would Mm. wish. But nonetheless, when a parent, when an uncle, when a grandparent, is making available, uh, eliciting intrigue and arousal Mm -hmm. in the presence of verbal interactions. That constitutes sexual abuse. So Mm -hmm. whenever an adult or more powerful child is using Mm -hmm. another child for their own pleasure, that constitutes sexual abuse.
0: Yeah. I think that definition is so empowering, what would you say to the client who says, you know, I I never experienced rape or intercourse. And so my experience can't be as bad as the next person. And so I, I can't even give my they're hesitant to even give themselves uh, the label of having been sexually abused and therefore hesitant to seek treatment. How would you respond to them?
1: Well, the fact is, Chris, as you put it, uh, those I've worked with people who have been satanically ritualistically abused Mm. and they know people who have been more severely abused. So the bottom line is comparison is always the fruit of what evil wants to do to minimize our ability to name the harm. So Mm. if we can step back and to go, yes, severity does have some impact. Mm -hmm. If we look at the research Um, uh, number of times of abuse uh, uh, ups the ante. The nature of who abuses you, the closer Mm -hmm. the intimate relationship is, the more damage of abuse. But Mm -hmm. I I would put it in this way. The fact is, when you're in an accident, yes, it could be more severe. But to think you're not going to have soft tissue injury, that there won't be broken bones, injury is injury. So can we say at one level, all abuse brings damage. Now, if your damage is less than your next door neighbors, great. But that doesn't change the fact you've got to own up to the harm that you have suffered rather than comparing yourself to the harm someone else has encountered.
0: Right.
2: It, it seems like we've I've talked to so many people who uh know that maybe something has happened maybe people listening right now oh well then maybe this would my story would fit into this category uh but they don't feel or maybe they don't want to say that they've been affected by it mm. how do we know that we have been affected by it
1: well it, it again you're you're both naming something so crucial to this conversation. We are so reluctant to name harm. Hmm. And we are brilliant with our family of origin, even if our family of origin was actually pretty darn good. The reality is, was your mother a sinner? If you just say yes, well, of course she was. She's a human being. All are under the reality Mm. of sin. Mm. Well, then let me name your mom. She struggles with lust and anger. Mm. Oh, if that's not strong enough, let's <laughs> listen to Jesus. She's an adulterer and murderer. <laughs> I know that sounds mm. harsh. Don't blame me. Don't blame psychology. Mm. Deal with Jesus. Mm. Now if you want to say he's hyperbolic? He didn't really mean it. Uh, all, all I can say is, uh, but, uh, read read your Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the reality is step back and say, what I just described about your mother, I'm also describing about you. Mm -hmm. So I'm an adulterer and murderer with everything that I do, but I'm also a redeemed man with the very presence of the Spirit of God as the temple of God. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. we are, in some sense, contradictory. Um, We bear some level of complexity. And so I I don't want to excoriate somebody who's in denial. What I want to say is you can't be a woman in the 20th, 21st century and not be sexually violated in some form. Mm. Uh, Is that true for every man? Uh, Not quite the same, Mm. but not too far. So what we can say is you bear some degree of sexual harm. Now, I'm not going to say everyone's been sexually abused, but far more than what we would generally define. And the way Mm -hmm. you put it before was, well, I've not been raped. Mm -hmm. I've not had a violation of intercourse. Well, you've got categories of severe, very severe, severe, and least severe. Mm -hmm. And those three categories, certainly the very severe would be rape. Uh, any form of forced intercourse. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about severe, um, again, this is difficult language, but when there has been any form uh, of violation of primary, secondary sexual body parts without clothing on, the data actually shows that the harm in that category is profound. Mm -hmm. So what are we looking for? Uh, Really, like all trauma, some level of fragmentation where it's hard to name the very nature of our brain fragments when we get close to something that is so disruptive, Mm -hmm. but we also go numb. And in that numbness, we you know we we don't know how to we don't know how to grieve we don't know how to be angry mm-hmm. and so we just shut down yeah. and what often happens is isolation which is we keep the story embedded in our own interplay of conscious unconscious mm-hmm. so w- what i'm talking about is sexual abuse always involves some degree of grooming mm-hmm. and that betrayal is way before some form of sexual touch or violation. So when I look at my own story, you know, I was groomed by a scoutmaster and mm-hmm. if you were to say to me, you know, are you angry? Yeah, I'm angry but but he was one of the most generous men I had met up to that point in my life. He mm-hmm. he gave me things of attention, care, containment. He was a good man but he violated me. He's Mm. not a good man. Do you see the craziness, Mm. the fragmentation just in that? Like, Even now, when I talk, I have an image of him. I remember his kindness, his warmth, Mm. and he violated me. But holding that together creates this sense of like, I'm nuts. I'm crazy. Mm. Well, when you add that there is this sense of powerlessness, Uh, Well, that's where numbness comes. When you can't change the abuse arc, you can't stop the abuse. You can't stop the abuser from doing harm. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of you feel weak, helpless, powerless. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what leads us to that sense of numbness. And then when we get to the hardest one of all, and it is so painful to name, when your body is touched, your body was meant to be aroused. Mm -hmm. So arousal, I'm not talking pleasure as in you wanted it. It's the body feels like it
0: betrays
1: itself Mm -hmm. with the arousal that is felt when your skin is touched or when primary, Mm -hmm. secondary body parts are touched.
0: And people conflate the two. They say that if I was aroused, then I must have wanted it.
1: Yes. Well, and I would add, That's what the kingdom of evil wants. More than any one thing, it wants you to bear responsibility for the other person's violation of you. And that is hideous. Mm. So the fact that as this scoutmaster groomed me, he brought me pleasure just being in his presence. Mm. Uh, Mm. When he touched my shoulder, I remember just feeling like, Oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like to be with an adult male. And then with the eventual abuse, there were things within my body that was aroused. Mm -hmm. Well, that took goodness, decades Mm -hmm. to engage without shame. And that's what isolates us, Mm -hmm. is when we feel like we're a bad person, we are a dangerous person, we are a perverse person, then we have to wall ourselves away mm-hmm. from the good people in the world who right. would literally be contaminated because I'm toxic, I'm mm. dangerous, I'm hideous. So
0: it's and- shame and then and then self-isolation.
1: Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then add contempt because mm. contempt becomes our primary way of managing our own sense of shame. Mm. And so this mm-hmm. toxicity of shame and contempt, it isolates. So you could be married. You could have a moderately good sexual relationship, a moderately good relationship communication with your spouse, mm-hmm. yet there will be something held back, yeah. something hidden, denied, ignored, and yet you know it's there. And so mm-hmm. it eat you alive like cancer. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm. The buffer of intimacy are secrets.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of those sentences that you go, Oh, Adam, say it again. (laughs) It's true.
2: (laughs) It's, it's true. And so I listened to some of what you've had to say and of course read your books. And I heard you say something that was, that struck me that you've worked with this demographic, people hurt and broken um, in in their sexuality for years and years and then you're writing the wounded heart and discovered something at chapter four.
1: Oh, well can I, you
2: tell us about that
1: yeah i was i was I don't know, three at least chapters through and i i was doing a conference and a dear dear friend who's a psychologist came to listen and uh, after it was all over he said to me can i just ask you a question and it's like sure i know what you're going to ask uh have you ever been sexually abused? And I answered no. Mm-hmm. And he said, Can I ask it again? I said, Knock yourself out. Go, sure. Have you ever felt sexual shame? Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt sexually used by another human being? And I remember just looking at him and laughing, going, Of course. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me and he goes, For example, well, I named one, I, I named the experience with the Scoutmaster, I named two, three other events. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me, he literally had tears in his eyes. And he said, and you're telling me, you've never been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, no, no, I haven't. And he said, literally he had the manual that had been used for the conference. He held it up. He looked me in the eye and he goes, what if we use your definition? and i looked at him and i went wow if you use that definition
3: mm. and he
1: said why don't we wow. and that phrase who knows when mm. and how the spirit chooses to work but at that point when he said why don't we i i you know that image of the veil is rent. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. i yeah. i did not see i saw <sighs> and it felt like a millisecond. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: I, in that moment, you know, again, this is the dilemma. You can have a lot of knowledge and not much wisdom. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I had a lot of knowledge, (laughs) but I just didn't have the courage Mm. to see my own story and the light that I was asking you, the reader, Mm. to engage. And in that moment, uh, I felt like, I mean, the, the the image of being hit by a sledgehammer. Mm. Uh, I could mm. not have been more stunned. Yeah. But I also, and this is true for most of us,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I knew the truth. Mm. And yeah. even though I, at one level, I am so surprised I can barely stand. On another level, I felt this deep, deep, deep reservoir of relief. Yeah. Like, mm. oh, it mm-hmm. wasn't a means of justification of past failures. It wasn't a matter of excusing myself for my own failure of love. Mm -hmm. It was like something of my story finally came to the surface.
3: Mm.
1: And, I mean, it's been a journey since that day. And there are realities of, you know, I finished, uh, the first book was called The Wounded Heart. And I had finished that book uh, and had not even begun to address Mm. the reality of of the abuse that occurred with my mother. Mm. And that occurred, uh, you know, probably eight years before I wrote uh, Healing the Wounded Heart. Mm. So, you know, the idea that none of us kind Mm. of come to this, see it, resolve it, move on. It is a revelatory I mean, the word apocalyptic just means something terrible is going to happen. What it means is it's an unveiling. Mm -hmm. So I think in many ways, the harm of our past gets unveiled in the season that your own heart and body are most ready. In other words, Mm -hmm. it's a strange a phrase. It's a gift of the spirit.
3: Mm.
0: Dr. Allender, I wonder if there are pastors and ministers listening right now that are saying, This is clicking for me. This is, I've had this dissonance. I've had this conflict within myself about the people I lead, the people I serve. And maybe they have ignored it to some extent or prayed about it, but didn't take action because they just were ill equipped. They didn't know what to do. What would be some good first steps? For those leaders to help serve the wounded hearts that they lead?
1: Well, I, 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 I'm not intending to get political, but listen to the phrase mm. the Me Too movement, Black Lives mm. Matter movement, vaccination, wearing masks, there is no global warming. I mean, <laughs> we are such a Violently politicized world, yeah. and uh, there's, in one sense, no room between those left and right. Mm. Uh, and so, I, I've I've talked to several pastors even in the last two weeks that were beginning to address something of the data of their own past harm. Okay. And one of them said it this bluntly: If I were to let anyone in my congreg- congregation know that I had a history of past abuse. I would be perceived just by that fact alone as being a victim Mm. and therefore more on the side of these dangerous Democrats, Mm. this left-oriented progressive blah, blah, blah. Uh. And I want to go, are we literally
3: at that Mm.
1: point that naming something about the reality of living in a fallen world? Mm. where harm has happened. And until we name something, we can't address it. And this is a harm that must be addressed and named Mm. in the presence of at least one other person. I'm not Mm. saying pastors need to next Sunday declare that they were victims of past abuse, Mm. but you can't heal in isolation, that's what we'll go back to that image of evil has one central plan: divide, conquer. And the more we're divided, the more we're isolated, the more susceptible we are, literally, um, to both the accusations and seductions of evil. So mm. we need somebody who can walk through our story mm. to understand how we were set up for grooming. In other words, uh, even though only about 24% of abuse happens in the family or what's called incest, the majority of abuse, uh, almost 60-some percent, occurs with someone whom the person knew beforehand. Mm -hmm. But it's not part of their family. Uh, You know, teachers, uh, next-door neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So abuse isn't just the event of concrete sexual violation. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. also how we got betrayed through grooming. Mm -hmm. And that requires us to set a larger context. How is it we were so susceptible to our neighbor's (laughs) administration Mm -hmm. in large measure because there was something absent or something present that was actually violating Mm -hmm. in our families? Mm -hmm. Again, not to blame Mm -hmm. families, but to say, can we tell the truth? with yeah. grace, with mercy. But mm. can we tell the truth? So telling the truth is not an easy process when it has to do with your own life. So mm. first thing is, can you name that what you're calling inappropriate? Uh, the word inappropriate is inappropriate.
3: Mm.
1: Can you say that the word weird uh, mm. it, it isn't just odd, but you're using language to kind of tell a part of the truth Mm. without telling the whole truth.
3: Mm.
1: So often what we do with like, like, oh, my uncle was a little weird.
3: Mm.
1: Oh, what she said and what she did at times was inappropriate. And you go, let's explore those words and the stories that you're bringing those words to describe. And then we're going to see the abuse. So you need somebody who can hear you. But if you can use this phrase, We <laughs> need somebody who can catch us as we're telling part of the truth, mm. but not the whole truth. Somebody who can invite you to say, how is it that you're able to say this, but you're not able to say that?
0: Like mm. the guy did for you at the conference. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I don't think. I think I could have, uh, tragically, I could have written the first book. And never address my own abuse. Wow. That's, wow. again, I want to trust the spirit would have used someone, something else. But in this case, my friend was the face of God mm-hmm. to invite me to engage a truth that obviously I had some impulse to, to engage because I was writing on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But a very strong impulse not to because I couldn't name it at that point.
2: Yeah. So powerful. So let's. I want to ask a question. I'm going to ask this very carefully because I know there's a lot of people listening that, um, that may disagree and everything else. And I know you'll probably do this well. So that's <laughs> why I'm asking you, where does the Holy spirit fit into this conversation mm-hmm. and where does God use an individual to help that person in terms like, of healing? Where, Lord, where, where yeah, Exactly. Cause I've heard a lot of people, well, you've been abused, go pray about it. Um, and we all know God heals, right? He, he does, but we also know God uses people. Where is the integration of psychology, if we want to call it that, or, but the Holy Spirit and, um, a counselor or someone in that, in that realm? We'll be right back to the interview. But first, we want to share something that we are really excited about.
0: So you know we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations.
2: And that's why we created the Monthly Live Date Night.
0: And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick and then 30 minutes we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in, but we really want you to take action in your marriage too.
2: So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details.
0: All right, back to the interview. Well,
1: to start with the, the, the spirit is God. Mm -hmm. And the spirit's unique province of engaging us, you know, uh, uh, John 10 through 13 is brilliant at talking about the spirit brings back to memory. Mm -hmm. The spirit exposes, encourages, the Mm -hmm. comforter is also the confronter. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to look at what my own spirit says I can't handle. So the Mm -hmm. spirit comforts enough to confront and comforts, even in the confrontation to remind that we are beloved. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think the spirit is very active, Mm
3: -hmm. but
1: the spirit is willing to speak directly. I mean, directly. as as clearer and clearer than my own voice. Mm. I think the spirit's also playful and more than capable of using a sentence you overhear on a bus stop Mm. where the spirit, in one sense, arranged for that person to be there having a conversation with another human being where a sentence got said that just literally you go, what? Mm. Mm. And maybe it's only two years later you realize, oh, that was a gift from the spirit. So all I'm saying is I think the spirit works directly and indirectly mm. uh, and frankly, it doesn't in one sense care uh, to take credit for the work of 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 illumination. So that means, Look, I could be Balaam's ass, and the spirit can use my brain mm-hmm. to accomplish uh, uh, the spirit's work. Yeah. But but I don't particularly want to be an ass. Uh, <laughs> so, again, I'm not suggesting that we all be uh, unpleasant. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, the spirit mm-hmm. is so active mm-hmm. that we can have that sense of, you know, thankfully, I don't have to hear the spirit every moment because I don't think I have the capacity to take all in what the spirit wants to offer. Mm. But now back to that question about a therapist. A therapist, in some sense, is a good storyteller because they're even better story hearers. Mm. And, you know, if if we go to a whole nother category, we want... I I won't bore you too long on this, but what's attachment? Like, what does your literally five-day-old baby need? Mm -hmm. An attachment. That's right. Um, But what does your 55-year-old spouse need?
0: Attachment.
1: So attachment is, we, we talk about it quickly in three terms. Attunement. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. Containment. I'm able to hold what you are encountering Mm -hmm. without being overwhelmed or demanding you change. That's good. And then repair of rupture, meaning I have the ability to come back even with my own failures and Mm -hmm. restore because there's sufficient humility. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you need is you need somebody sufficiently attuned to be able to follow a story where it goes and also where it doesn't go. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: let me tell you, um, good therapists have that ability to read what is said, but also what's not said. And not to demand you address it, but at least to invite you to come to a, a richer statement about the nature of what's true. Mm -hmm. And a a good therapist is able to hold the suffering, the questions, Mm -hmm. the struggles, much like the Psalms. The Mm -hmm. Psalms hold our praise. The Psalms hold our lament and complaint. The Psalms hold our thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And that's what a good therapist is able to hold, shall we say, the richness of both brokenness and beauty in the human heart. So I love the privilege I get as a therapist, but one of the men I go to uh doesn't have a college degree, uh, he's a plumber in our church, but he's a really wise man because he's mm. done a lot of work on his life. Yeah, he knows both his beauty and brokenness, he knows how his story trajectory has, in some ways, gifted him but also hobbled him.
3: Mm. Uh,
1: wow. and so I trust him, and so. Yeah. When people say, well, what kind of good therapist do you see? And I've seen therapists before, but, you know, what I'd say is, oh, most recently I see a plumber.
0: I love that. <laughs> so, good. so good. We, we strongly believe in the power of a mentor, you know, regardless of degree or credentials, but, um, somebody who is anointed and equipped, yes. whether that be through life circumstance, reading prayer
2: and college doesn't necessarily make you equipped, Yeah.
0: <laughs> It can give you some tools, but it doesn't make you fully equipped for the job of mentoring somebody.
1: I've met some psychologists who would fit the category of Balaam's ass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Same. We have as well.
2: (laughs) So good. What? So I know that people listening to this, that that this is striking a chord for them Mm -hmm. are thinking now, okay, so maybe I could start coming to that realization. I can name it. Mm -hmm. I could say that that wasn't just weird. That was not just inappropriate, but that was abuse. Mm -hmm. What then do they do?
1: Well, uh, this may seem, again, a little contradictory, because okay. I've already said that knowledge doesn't necessarily bring wisdom, but there is a certain level of understanding that needs to be present. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be slowly gained. Uh, you know, you know, the Allender Center has a, a course on sexual abuse, the books, et cetera, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is you need to understand what was evil working to accomplish. What was, mm-hmm. what was evil working to accomplish through the betrayal of the one who groomed you and abused you? Mm-hmm. What did you do with the reality of your powerlessness? What have you done with shame? So when we get some of those categories out in front of people, mm-hmm. it gives them language to begin to explore. Mm-hmm. So I think the second thing is you need at least a modicum yes. of understanding, but I'll go back to what I just said a moment ago, and that is you need an ally. You need a story presence who can help you begin to wrestle with the complications of mm-hmm. where it shows up in every component of your life because we're not talking about sexual abuse having only one realm of harm being our sexuality. Right. It's going to affect Every dimension Mm
3: -hmm. from how
1: you buy clothes Mm -hmm. uh, to what you're willing to wear or not wear uh, to how you handle money. Oh my gosh, I'll I'll just say it's an A to Z issue. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: So if we can begin the exploration, Mm -hmm. then this is a difficult sentence for most people to hear. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter two, verse four. Mm. Now, I want to say it so clearly that I scream it, but I won't scream. Thank you. A victim of abuse never repents for being abused. Mm. Never, never, never. They never repent for having been seduced through being groomed. Mm. Never. N- they never repent for their body having felt arousal. Never. Mm. So in that What are we to repent of? Well, but more important than that is really, what do we mean by kindness? The kindness of God. Um, The dilemma with most people who've been abused is that contempt has turned their heart against themselves, turned Uh it against their body, turned it against their sexuality. Uh So there is a violence against oneself Mm -hmm. And that should be obvious, needs to be addressed. Um, And the notion of being kind to your body, kind to that eight-year-old boy or girl that still exists, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: again, this is difficult material to hear quickly. But neurologically, if you can bring the image of yourself as an eight-year-old boy or girl, Mm -hmm. then you need to know that is a neurological act. Your brain is seeing something that your brain holds. So that eight year old boy Mm. still exists in your brain today. Mm. So how you as a 35 year old, 60 year old man or woman deal with yourself as an eight year old boy, we're not talking about 30 years ago or 52 years ago. We're talking about how you deal with that boy that still exists right now mm-hmm. in your memory. Yep. So, again, this is a, a bit of a. That's
0: good. Uh, again, that a, work is powerful.
1: A hard, hard category, but we're to believe <laughs> and utilize the Exodus. Mm. We are to believe and utilize an event called Gethsemane and Golgotha and the cross, and the resurrection. So we have this in our own head that we are to take in today things that happened millennia ago. Hmm. Well, then why do we have so much difficulty carrying and bringing to fruitfulness a kind of care for an eight-year-old boy that was never there when you were eight? So part of the task of the kindness of God leading to repentance is will you let kindness rule in your life? Mm -hmm. And if so, cruelty cannot stand in the good soil of kindness.
0: So good. That's good. Wow. Dr. Islander. We could ask you so many more questions. Do you have another hour? <laughs> I know, right? This has been so enriching. And I think folks that are listening to this and this is striking a chord with them, I encourage you go back and re-listen, take notes, pray over this, seek counsel, get a story listener in your corner. They can hold it. Yes. And um, Dr. Allender, um, one thing I would recommend for folks who are listening as well, is your workbook that goes along with healing the wounded heart i've walked several clients through the workbook and i I love the interactive approach there the the prompting of the questions and um, they're able to process through this and tell their story a bit more thoroughly using the workbook as well and we'll link that in the show notes for folks who are listening any other um, books resources um, that you'd recommend for the healing process
1: Oh, it, 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 the answer is yes. And here's the dilemma dealing with an old man. And that is, uh, I, I, I just got the author, but I, I'm blocked. I think I can get the title. Kurt Thompson okay. uh, is a psychiatrist, deep, passionate believer in Jesus. Um, and he has a beautiful book called The Anatomy of the Soul. Mm. And it really does a beautiful job helping you get a better understanding of the intersection of our personhood okay. and our brain and the effects mm. of trauma on our brain and our body. So mm. that would be a, Kurt Thompson's work. he has got a number of books. Yeah, what I was okay. going to say is, and I can see the cover, but I couldn't get the author or, or the title. So I'm grateful. <laughs> i'm grateful you got it the, case, the spirit was a little more quick
2: that brought, brought things to back there to your remembrance
0: you <laughs> 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 excellent we will include that in the show notes would you also recommend um the body keeps the score
1: oh yes absolutely yeah. and, and again just to let people know it's 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 a demanding book uh yes. the body keeps the score by vessel uh uh vandercock yes. um it He takes you into the neurology of trauma, and a lot of the words you're not going to be familiar with. But if you're willing, shall we say, to read this, uh, I would have said a dictionary uh, in the past, but I don't even know (laughs) if people (laughs) do that anymore. (laughs) If you'll read it near a computer where you can check out words in Google, there you go. There you go. Then you're going to profit immensely from that.
2: Okay, so, and you have a course dealing with this subject as well. do could you tell us a little bit about we that? Do.
1: We 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 walk people through stories. Uh, we teach, but I wanted to introduce a number of real live human beings who have dealt. Again, nobody ever is done, but dealt well with the reality to hear their story, to see the the points of similarity and difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's available through the Allender Center. So good.
0: Excellent. We'll link that as well. That's awesome. Well, we like to close out all of our episodes by asking our interviewee the same question. And um, it's just kind of a question that gets you thinking back to the beginning of your relationship. Um, What advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple.
1: I wish that as a young married man, that I would have had both the counsel, but also the personal courage to look at the effect of my family of origin on how I was relating to my young bride. Uh, and, and more than just like you need to do that, for somebody to actually say, you know what? You ended up having to take care, literally keep alive, a very, very, very difficult fragmented woman called your mother. How do you think that will play out? as you engage your wife mm. that would have been a very disruptive question <laughs> uh, but would have saved me about 20 years of unfortunate <sighs> and at times hideous conflict with mm-hmm. my wife yeah
0: wow so good yes
2: well we just want to say a huge thank you so much for the wisdom that you have shared with us today mm-hmm. and also your work yeah. um We've learned so much from it and uh, are so grateful for that. Yeah, thank you,
0: you are a hero in our minds, and your impact has also made an an impact on our work. And so yes. we're we're just we're grateful. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Carissa. Again, my honor to be able to join you, knowing you'll be on this earth a lot longer than I. And <laughs> in that good work you do, uh, it is such a deep furthering of the gospel.
2: All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at com.
0: No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dear young married couple, And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right, see you next week.